You're listening to the Coaching Cast podcast with Susie and Lisa. We are super lucky to have this seventh season sponsored by our friend and YouTube's top breath coach, Mike Mayer from Take a Deep Breath. Mike is the first official sponsor of this podcast and specializes in reducing stress and anxiety through practical, fun and science-based breathing techniques. You can get started for free by clicking on the link in the show notes and downloading a free guided audio breathing exercise from Mike. Say goodbye to stress and hello to a more relaxed and chilled state of mind. And if you're interested in being a sponsor on this podcast, you can contact us by emailing hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Susie, and this is The Coaching Cast. We are the No Nonsense Podcast, chatting about the things impacting you at work right now, helping you to survive and thrive in today's ever-changing workplace. We discuss different topics each episode, sharing our ideas, hints, and top tips from our experiences of working in the corporate world, running our own businesses, and also being qualified coaches. We also try to have a few laughs along the way too, because taking yourself too seriously is just boring. We really hope you enjoy listening. episode we're talking about how to navigate a workplace comeback after a period of leave whether that be parental leave sickness or a sabbatical we share our experiences our learnings and our top tips for you to try yourself so stay with us and enjoy cool so before we crack on with today's episode How has your week been, Suze? Tell me, what have you been up to? Well, I'm just laughing to myself because I'm just looking at the things I'd written down to talk about in terms of my week. Let me read them to you and then you can pick which one you want me to talk about. (laughs) Oh, I like this They are an an eclectic mix of subjects. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Having having a three-nager, the traitors, Puma in the village, Beyonce. (laughs) <laughs> this is eclectic okay so hang on <laughs> having a three-nager the traitors the traitors the, tra- the, the, the tv series okay cool yeah i got really excited because i thought this could be really like gritty okay it's a tv program <laughs> i got beyonce at the end and a puma in the village as in yeah. like a big cat yeah right well i'm definitely going with that one sorry i mean beyonce we can come on to after that if that's okay Puma in the village, go. Right, Puma in the village. There's a Puma roaming around the village. That's kind of it. But basically, um, a massive cat is escaped from somewhere. Chester and is Zoo. roaming around the chest. It could be Maybe. Chester Zoo. You don't live far from Chester Zoo. I don't. I'll, I'll have to get on to and the mother-in-law roaming... she works at Chester Zoo. Oh, yeah, she does. Isn't yeah, she? I'll have to ask her. I'll be like, Yvonne, what is this? A Puma is, has got out. And is roaming the Cheshire countryside. <gasps> I'm surprised I haven't heard about it already. Yeah. She loves to tell us about what's going on at Chester Zoo. Normally it's deaths. So, you know, oh. she doesn't normally tell us this sort of thing, but I'll have to ask her about the puma. Is it yours? Well, <laughs> there is a puma roaming the, the fields of Cheshire. It's been spotted numerous times. I think it's been pictured as well. 
And then there was a big article about it in our village magazine, which made me laugh a lot when I was reading it. Um, but yeah, so I'm now when I walk the dog, I am a bit like, I'm hoping I'm not going to come eye to eye with a massive puma. That would be. That is terrifying. <laughs> I know. That is so exciting at the same time. I love it. I'm the one in Africa and you're being stalked by a puma. Exactly. That is brilliant. Exactly. No pumas here, sadly. I haven't even seen a snake. <laughs> Apparently there's loads of snakes where we live, but I mean, I've never seen one. So yeah, I feel I'm a bit put out really. I'm jealous. You've got the roaming cat and I'm in Africa. Brilliant. Yes. It all kicking off in Cheshire. Now, okay, right. We're going to go from one equally exciting thing on your list to another because you said Beyonce. I did. Yes. So when we so when we were recording last week, um <clears throat> I didn't have my phone. I wasn't on my phone, but I could see my phone like lighting up in like the, out the corner of my eye. And my, my good friend Chloe, shout out to Chloe, is obsessed with Beyonce. I'd say more than me. So I am a big fan of Beyonce. I had a Beyonce themed Hindu. I love a bit of B. I'm all over her music and I like her. And her totally fierce persona and all of that stuff. I love her. Anyway, um I could see messages from Chloe and I knew that Chloe's ambition and goal was to go and see Beyonce in her latest tour, which comes this summer. And we'd already tried to get tickets for London the week before and we didn't get them. We were in the queue and it was like, we were both in the queue and it was like, there are kind of like 500,000 people in front of you. I was like, oh my God. I can imagine. Anyway, we changed strategies slightly for the next release, which was last Tuesday. We only got two tickets to watch Beyonce at Cardiff in May. I literally was screaming once I came off the um, podcast and I saw my phone, I saw the messages from Chloe. So actually, Chloe's husband, Nick, was got ended up getting them. They were both waiting for t- to try and get us tickets, and Nick got them. So, yeah, excited that I'm going to see the Queen Bee in Cardiff in May. That is so um, cool. And, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Oh, congratulations. That is so exciting. Oh, my God, I'm so jealous. I'm not in the country when she's touring, so i've totally forfeit my any opportunity to have seen her by not being there same with my other female heroine at the moment is self-esteem if anyone oh yeah i'm obsessed with self-esteem uh i've i'm missing her tour in the uk as well because i'm here in africa so you know it's not all it's not all rosy being over <sighs> here you know i get to miss it's out not all to- fun and games no being judith chalmers no i'm missing out so, yes, but I'm very excited for you to be going to see Beyonce. I cannot wait to see the photographs and the videos, please. So make sure you take plenty of footage as you're, like, know, you know, but... screaming and singing along. <laughs> oh, honestly, I love that. And I'm going to see Elton John the week after as well, which oh was postponed from two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, he was due to kind of tour in the UK. I think it was in 2021, and my husband got me tickets for Christmas one year. And then he cancelled it because he wasn't very well or he had like a surgery or something. Um, so it's the week before he does Glastonbury um, and he's coming to Manchester. So I'm getting, I'll see him as well. So literally within a couple of weeks, I'm seeing the Queen Bee and then Alton John, who's one also one of my most favourite artists as well. So <laughs> just living my best life. Yeah, two huge musical greats in a fortnight. That is yeah. amazing. Thank God they were on different dates. Can you imagine if you'd had a clash? That would be I interesting. Know. Thank God that well, the, the London. Thankfully, I didn't get tickets for London Beyonce because it would have been within two days of each other. 
<laughs> that would have been rock and roll. Um, that would have been very rock and roll. Um, but it wasn't in the end. So yes. oh yes. So Beyonce, here I come. Two such exciting pieces of news in just one short period of time on the podcast. Honestly, a, very, <laughs> a Puma and Beyonce. Wow. What a list. Well, I haven't got a list in front of me, to be fair, of exciting things that happened to me last week and nothing that exciting happened to me. I thought I'd lost an ear and that's about as, as exciting as the week got. And I wouldn't say that was exciting. It was more traumatic. So, pardon? Pardon? What? Well, you know, my gift to myself on my 39th birthday was my helix piercing, which I did share oh, in the opening yeah. episode of this season. Yeah. And... Yes, well, it's the gift that keeps on giving, but potentially not the gift that I wanted. So <laughs> last week, to be fair, a couple of weeks ago, it was quite sore. And I was thinking, hmm, is it supposed to be this sore? I'm not sure. Anyway, I did all the usual Googling. Nothing really was coming forward to enlighten <laughs> me in terms of what was happening. And I thought, well, just keep cleaning it, salt bathing it. You know, salt bathing it actually involved because of where it is. It's very awkward at the top of my left ear. Literally dunking the whole side of my left head into a bowl of salty water, just lying there oh with my, my face gosh. in it for like two minutes. Yeah, my husband sympathetically took photographs of said act and just shared them with friends to take the piss out of me. Usual sympathy. Um. Anyway, when we went away for a couple of nights last week my ear just went bright red started to swell up and it started to really hurt and I was thinking oh my god oh, no. and I looked at the piercing and I was like it looks like I've got like an open sore behind the front of the piercing and I was like oh, oh my god I've got some sort of skin like flesh flesh rotting infection like I'm about to lose my entire ear like maybe the hole's just going to get bigger and bigger and the earring will just fall through it and I'll just end up with a gaping hole in the top of my ear. Anyway, I obviously did the usual that I tend to do when it comes to anything like this. I have a major manic meltdown and panic attack and rush to the nearest hospital. Okay, it was a pharmacist with a nurse in it. To ask for advice. Now, <laughs> this nurse was... Look, I love South Africa. I love South Africans. Female South Africans. You think Beyonce's fierce. You should meet a female South African. They're fiercer especially the Afrikaans um so she spoke to me in Afrikaans of which I can't speak any I mean I can't speak anything apart from English and even that can be a bit ropey on a on a good day and I'm sort of frantically pointing at the top of my ear and I just get this look of pure disdain she kind of rolls her eyes at me I'm thinking look I appreciate this is not the usual exciting things you get to deal with that people come in <laughs> I have you know and I say to her I've got a helix piercing I had it pierced a couple of months ago she rolls her eyes at me and she's like, where did you have it done? And I'm like, in the UK. And she's just like, right, okay. She's like, yeah. She just kind of looks at it absentmindedly and just goes, yeah, looks like you got a bit of an infection. Just put some cream on it. I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, do you think I need to like take the earring out? She's like, no, no, no. It's yeah. She was like, no, it's salvageable. I was like, oh, well, thank God for that. Because to be quite honest, I haven't gone through all this pain just to remove the bloody thing. So yeah, so she just took me to the... Um, the chemist and counter and gave me some cream and just said apply this every hour for like three days and keep salt washing it and if it gets worse you're gonna have to go to the doctors for some antibiotics like I was like okay 
so that was it so then I had to just like constantly be bathing and creaming up this ear for like days on end which it was just a pain and it just looked gross and it just got it got more swollen Don was like you literally look like a bloody rugby player like your ears looking like a cauliflower I was like great and it was bleeding. I mean, it was just embarrassing. It was gross. Anyway, oh I think I think it's mended now, miraculously. It's had a turnaround. So I was getting to the point where I was thinking I'm literally, it's not getting any better. I'm going to have to go to the doctors. But then, to be honest, in the last 48 hours, it seems to have sorted itself out. And now it looks loads better. Obviously, I can't show you because I've got my earphones on. But yeah, it looks a lot better. So I've gone from thinking I was going to lose my left ear to everything being back to normal. But honestly... Having a helix piercing, it's like a roller coaster. I don't remember any of this when I had my just my low pierced. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, when I had my low pierced, I was five years old, so it was like 34 years ago. But I don't remember this sort of debacle, honestly. And anyway, there's 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 a suggestion it won't clean up itself and heal properly for like six to twelve months. So whether I'll go back round again with another trauma, I don't know. But yeah, what a pain. Oh. So yeah. So, like, last time I was here in November, I obviously nearly lost my left hand. Now I've nearly lost my left ear. There's, yeah. something, there's something about the left side. Well, just keep your left foot, like, leg and kind of, like, hand kind of safe in the next <laughs> few weeks and months. Oh, God. <laughs> Honestly, to anyone out there... We don't lose any more limbs. Yeah, anyone out there who's, like, younger than me by, like, quite a lot, if you're actually listening, just don't do it to yourself. Like, you know... Maybe I'll tell you it's all worth it in a couple of months' time when it no longer looks like, yeah, I no longer look like one of the members of the English rugby team. Anyway, enough about my gammy year. Let's crack on with today's. <laughs> let's crack on with today's exciting Buy topic. quality content of the yeah. coaching cast. Yeah, honestly, yeah. we've gone from like Puma roaming, like roaming Pumas, Beyonce, and uh, an infected left ear. Brilliant. It's all go here at the Coach Cast. We cover all, a whole range of topics, as you can see. Right, let's crack on with this episode then, shall we? Comeback stories. There have been a few famous ones, which I'm sure you'll all be aware of. The return of Take That, Benefer, that's J-Lo and Ben Affleck, and Peter Kay. God, I'm so glad Peter Kay's back. But the art of a successful comeback isn't just reserved for the entertainment world. It's also applicable to the workplace as well. Navigating a return back to the workplace after a career break, a holiday, a period of extended leave, or even a recent pandemic can sometimes be tricky. Each return is often different with different expectations, challenges, and emotions. Coach Nikki Alderson recently said on a recent LinkedIn post, returning to work can feel at times like a lonely uphill struggle. So what are the realities and how can you create a confident and successful comeback for yourself and others too if you're managing someone who's returning to work? So Suze, we're going to kick off with you and your experience of this. So tell us, what's your experience of a workplace return? Okay, so I was thinking about this in preparation for today. <clears throat> I've actually had three, what I would call workplace returns, three for different reasons and in different contexts as well. Um, so one being I had um, about 10 years ago, I ended up having a month off work because I'm um, type one diabetic. So if you didn't know that before, haven't listened to it before, type one diabetic. Um, and my diabetes went AWOL 
for like a long period of time like literally couldn't get my blood sugar down for a, like for months what felt like um and I had to have some time off work for a month to purely focus on trying to control my diabetes blood sugar so that was the first time I'd ever had more than like a couple of weeks off work for holiday or if I'd been unwell or something so I had that I also have been um, returned back from maternity leave. So I had 11 months off when I had my son. So I had a, re- a significant kind of return back uh, into the workplace after uh, I had a child. And then I was also thinking about, for those of you who work or have your own businesses, um, I also had a period of time off um, in my own business when, I'm, as a solopreneur when I had my appendix out, because that was quite major surgery, which is obviously we've talked about a lot as well on this podcast. So I was reflecting back on my experiences. And I think there's there are like three distinct experiences where I've had to kind of return back into the workplace. And they have all been very different. And my experiences around each of those has been very different as well. So I'd say that the first time I when I had my diabetes situation, I had that month off. I remember going back to work and I felt so I was really really focused and kind of a bit paranoid that everyone was judging me because I'd taken that time to focus on my physical health which I needed to do that was really really important but I felt like there were and I don't think anybody was it was me kind of putting that on myself but I just felt really self-conscious that lots of people were judging me for having taken that amount of time off and I was in an organization I was in a team um I had a big job I'd been doing a lot of traveling as well and um I was kind of learning lots of new things so there was probably also an element of it being outside of my comfort zone as well so the kind of I didn't feel particularly kind of comfortable, I don't think, either. And that played into that feeling of um, judgment, I think, Mm. from from others. So that was probably one of the trick. That was probably the trickiest navigation back back up into work out of all three of them, because I was quite young and not done it before. It was the first time I'd experienced something like that. I didn't really know what a successful return looked like, what I should be doing, what I should be thinking, what I should be feeling. Um, so I'd say that one was the, the trickiest out mm. of all of them. Mm. Um, so how did you, yeah. when you talk about those feelings of feeling judged, mm. I think you you said, I don't think they necessarily came from anyone. It was just a feeling that you had. How did you manage that when you were transitioning back into work full time? So I was just very open and very honest. And I am very open and honest as a person anyway. So I I tend to kind of tell you exactly what's going on and, and how I'm feeling. But I was very open about why I'd been off with people and what that meant because mm. I wasn't hiding anything. And, um, you know, your, your health, whether that's physical or mental, is obviously really, really important to you. We all have physical and mental health. Yeah. And my physical health had gone literally a hole. Yeah. And I, just, I needed to focus in on controlling that blood sugar. Um, uh, so I, the way I you, uh, kind of um, managed it was I was just very open with telling people what had gone on, what had happened, and why I needed to spend some time focusing in on it. And then I was... Um, I suppose I didn't want them people to kind of come up with their own story, their own assumptions. I was just very open and honest with it. That's not for everyone. And I totally get that, but that's how I did it. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. I think 
my approach would have been the same as yours because of the similarity in so much as that openness, honesty, being fully transparent is really important to me. It is in general terms, not just in these more sensitive situations, because that's how I build relationships with people. It's how I feel confident in what I'm doing because I know that I'm being honest and truthful and that helps for me to build trust. It's also because that's how I want to be treated in return. So I think often the way we behave is dictated by how we expect to be treated. But I do, like you say, I do respect that that's not necessarily going to be true of everybody because it totally depends on what the scenario is and how comfortable you feel in that scenario, even yourself, because there's going to be an element in some of these scenarios when you take a period away from work where you too have to process what's happened to you and 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 why that period of leave was required. So it's going to be different for everyone. And I think it also hugely does depend on how confident, comfortable, safe you feel in the workplace that you're returning to. Yeah. And again, that's going to be different for everybody. So from that particular experience or by any means bring in your other experiences because you have got a, a few that you touched upon there what were some of your learnings and is there anything you would have done differently yeah so I think I'm just going to reflect upon the other two I think in this instance because the the return to work after maternity leave for me um was the biggest amount of time I've been away so I've been away 11 months and mm. I think the biggest learning I had was that I I was I was looking forward. I'd enjoyed my time off, but I also was looking forward to getting back into some routine because I'd been off on maternity leave during the pandemic as well. Mm. So those expectations of, of what my ideal maternity leave was going to be like was different. And it was actually quite lonely because I was just on my own most of the time um, with my son uh, walking the prams. That's all we could do at that for a significant period of that time. So actually, when I was going back to work, I was looking forward to getting into an element of routine. I was looking forward to kind of connecting with some adults again and having some adult conversation and having a hot cup of tea. Like I'd never become more obsessed with drinking a drink whilst it was hot and thinking I can do that (laughs) when I go back to work. But I think um, I also had the expectation that it would be the same as when I left, i.e., I would be the same, the job would be the same, it's the same business, it's the same organisation, and it wasn't. You know, they, thing, they'd changed because also there'd been a pandemic and, you know, that regardless of that, things evolve and change anyway. Um, my role had changed, those I was working with had changed. I had changed because I'd gone through a lot, quite a significant life experience at the same time. And I feel like I didn't connect the dots that that meant that when I turned up and when I went back to that role and that business, that things were going to be different Mm. Um, because I was different. And I went into it, I think, with an expectation that I would just slot back in and it would just be like how it was. And everything was totally different because we weren't even working in the office at that point. We were all working from home. So that in itself was significantly different. So I think... The learning and would I've done anything differently there is that actually probably just resetting expectations of myself and also of others mm. and the situation that I was going into. I didn't spend any time because it's hard when you've got a young child to spend any time even thinking about that and connecting the dots. But I think if I'd just taken a minute on one of those many walks, 
and just thought to myself like is this going to be the same or is this going to be different and if it and I probably would have been like it's going to be different all right mm. how could it be be different well probably be different like this I probably would have then yeah just gone into it with a bit more open-minded I yeah think. it's so interesting because I think you raise a couple of points there about managing expectations and I and I think ultimately until you go back into the job you won't know what is different or has changed until you're in it so actually I think the only area where you can really manage expectations is as you've said which is the expectations on yourself and being really clear about actually I think what do you already know to be different about yourself what do you already know that you feel differently about in terms of the work you're about to go back into what has changed for you the most obvious obviously being the fact you've had a child and you're in that example with the with the maternity leave but actually what else so go down into the detail so what does that mean for your day like how does your day now look what is important to you in that day what do you 100% want to ensure that you're at home for and what at what times you know I think it's thinking about those things so that you're clear what your boundaries now look like because they are completely different as to when you know than when before you left and before you gave birth (laughs) so I think it's being really like generous to yourself and giving yourself that time just a quick you know just to think through some of those things because that's what you can then be really clear about when you come back I I personally have not had a long period of time off from work I've been really fortunate with my health I haven't had children yet so I've always been working yeah I've only had time away for a holiday break you know that's about as long as it has been so it's nothing really that significant but I have managed individuals returning from maternity leave and it was those types of conversations that I was always keen to have with the individual and to acknowledge that something seriously significant had happened to them and it shouldn't be dismissed or ignored and it's not that I felt anyone was truly ignoring it it was the fact that to your point I didn't feel that the individuals were acknowledging what that would mean so I saw too many women I have seen too many women in my career come back off maternity leave and put this expectation on themselves to just pick up where they left off carry on exactly the same give the same amount of time focus commitment same amount of days in a week you know it's it's just not realistic and they it was unfair to them that they did that to themselves. Now, some of that could have been culturally supported. Don't get me wrong. I have worked in some quite intense corporate environments, but very male dominated as well, where yes, although they had really great maternity leave as a benefit, that didn't really then translate into ongoing maternity or even paternity. You know, if you can talk about it on both sides, support for individuals who had kids in the workplace. But I think those conversations that I had with those individuals were always so important. And to look at how could we flex and adapt to accommodate them? Because you're now doing two roles, aren't you? It's no longer just you and the role that you had and that you're doing. You've got two roles. You've got a full-time role for life that happens even when you're at work. (laughs) You're still a mum. And then you've got the role that you're being paid to do at work. You know, it's it's acknowledging that because I just, that's where I see it go so wrong for parents. And, you know, 
that's where I've seen, sadly for me, far too many amazing women leave work because they've just gone, I can't do both. And I'm like, oh, that's, it's so sad because I think it's just not very well accommodated a lot of time. I think as well, just building off that point, some of the, and this is probably a whole other podcast episode in itself, but what I'm about to say, but I think the structure of our childcare support system in this country does not facilitate particularly well people returning back to work, whether you're a mum, a dad, um, you know, it's, it's expensive. It's so (laughs) expensive. it's, It's quite inflexible in my experience um and so I think you know and I know that Anna Whitehouse um talks a lot about this that actually a mother pucker um you know a lot of people actually have no choice but to leave the workplace in order to provide childcare for themselves for their children Mm. because actually paying for childcare they uh, can't afford to do like they have no other options so they they step out of, of the workplace which is incredibly sad and incredibly um you know frustrating um for those involved and and actually is a privilege that you if you can afford childcare I think because it is extortionate <laughs> in my experience yeah um and I think that drives a lot of it as well around those kind of um yeah expectations around returning to there's some external factors at play as well yeah gosh I totally agree there were women who I used to work with who you know were transparent about childcare costs and for a big majority of them their salary every month covered the cost of the childcare and that was about it so you could argue what the hell is the point because they were earning the money for it to just go straight back to cover the cost of the child and I mean a lot of them they did that for their own personal reasons which is I want to work I want to be an adult I want to stay in this routine of working because that's my long-term plan so although at the moment financially it doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense actually this isn't about financial gain for me today it's about a lot to do with my own growth my time for myself personal development I want to be engaged in adult conversation you know they did it for their reasons but that's they had the clarity to know that that was the case it's just very sad that unfortunately the reality was going to be that they weren't really then going to reap the reward financially of of all that work and it it isn't fair at all childcare is just so outrageously priced I think and like you say it isn't flexible which is ironic because the whole point surely of childcare being put in place is to enable people to continue to work and to flex to those needs it doesn't make sense to me that it's so inflexible but yes as you say this is probably a podcast episode or this is a whole other Um, podcast episode if anyone knows mother pucker we would do a whole podcast episode with her i'm just saying we would love to speak to anna whitehouse she's a she's a champion well she is the champion for this topic and flexible working for men and women and to support their families across the country and she's doing an incredible job so we've talked a bit there about navigating a successful return to work and you've had your learnings from doing so um in the past so how do you think you can prepare to ensure you return to work successfully after a period of leave that being you know in whatever form it takes absolutely the first thing I would say is pace yourself um I 
reflecting again, reflecting back on my three experiences, uh, I had two um, where I did pace myself. So when I went back from maternity leave, I had a phase return to work. So I used some of my holiday to do shorter weeks. Mm-hmm. okay so I th- I did three-day weeks for a period of time I think I then went to four-day weeks for a period of time as well and then transitioned to full-time um so I think a phase return just helps you and help me actually just kind of more gradually return in and process all of that information get your head around what's changed yeah. who's changed build those relationships etc what your job now is um and a workload as well which supports those days i.e not a full-time workload yes in two yeah. days or three days whatever it looks yeah. like again a mistake i see too often on both sides on the individual and on the workplace making unrealistic expectations it's ridiculous i've seen that too often too and I think how you can do that is by literally sitting down with um manager or leader and, and focusing, getting them to really focus on prioritization for you. So mm. what are the top four or five things that I need to get done? Like so you've got a really clear and simple way of kind of formulating some priorities. Um and then the other thing I would say in my experience is don't assume that you know everything like nothing has changed so familiarize yourself like back in yeah. and, and I think that's what I was touching upon before was you know I I didn't really spend some time thinking about how things could have changed because I was just dealing with what was in front of me at the time because <laughs> of the environment I was in but actually thinking about um how can I transition myself back in like who do I need? there's new processes there'll be new people <laughs> there'll yeah. be new priorities there'll be new ways of doing things etc like actually just be really open to that I'm I'm thinking like I'm just going to familiarize myself back into all of those things at my own pace with the time I've got available i.e for do phase return and I'm just going to be like a sponge and I'm just going to kind of soak up all of what's going on right now Mm. and because it will have changed and been different to what it what it was when you kind of departed yeah I like that I think you should go in with the expectation that change has happened things are going to be different rather than the opposite like assuming oh you know there could be change I just think you should go in going it's going to have changed and I just need to pick up what those changes are like you said in all those areas check whether it's process objectives priorities people place even what things look like sometimes that can throw you as well the fact that where you now sit where your team sit you know where your department's located in a building it's just that can be quite unsettling for some people because it's it's a change outside of your usual uh so I think it's just preparing for all of it and then if things have stayed the same brilliant and you were ready but if they haven't which is likely especially if you've taken a long period off you're you're open to it I think the other thing as well, like in this conversation, we've we've kind of looked about about my experiences of going back into an organisation. But if you are a solopreneur or you have your own business and you work for yourself and you've had a period of of leave, um, I had a, a, my final kind of re- most recent experience was when I worked for myself, <clears throat> and what I would say is in that time I didn't 
it's hard when you work for yourself and it's just you because if mm. you don't do it, it doesn't get done <laughs> yeah um and it's difficult to manage work-life balance which we've talked about before yeah I went back to work too soon I should have taken more time to really like, recover I had major surgery I didn't really um spend as much time as I would have liked in hindsight but in the moment you make those decisions you do what you do I wonder now if I had just been honest with people like I was in that organizational setting and just said I've had major surgery I'm recovering I'm going to be out of action for however long a few weeks or whatever Mm. um most people I think now looking back would have understood that because they're people and they're yeah. like decent, nice humans. Yeah. Um. And I think if they were in that set environment, in that situation, they probably would have done the same. So I suppose what I'm trying to say here is, you know, if you're listening to something, well, this doesn't apply because I don't work in a big organization because I run my own business or have people who work for me, etc. Like, if that is you, then these things are still applicable in whatever setting. But also, just think about if you can just tell people what's going on if you can bring yourself to be vulnerable to an extent be open to manage those timelines manage those expectations for yourself so that you can get back up and running and you are fully fit to be back up and running and going at things at a really fast pace which is the reality of what happens when you have your own business yeah and I think you've got to always think as well look after yourself now so you don't have to look after yourself again later you know, if you're not fully recovered yet, you're not going to miraculously recover putting yourself under more strain. You're likely going to just delay your recovery. And it's one of those hard truths that you just have to swallow, I think, so that you, what you're doing now is it's investing in the time, taking that time out to look after yourself so that you can come back for longer and stay back. Yeah. You know, and I get it when you work for yourself, you know, there's there's um you know financial implications as well yeah. like if you're not around you can't bill for those invoices if you can't deliver if you haven't got a team around you etc yeah. I get it like it's not as simple as perhaps I'm making out but I think having been through it and now reflecting back I did put myself under probably an unnecessary amount of pressure to return to things quicker than actually if I just given myself an extra couple of weeks and just thought okay it's not going to be great this month but it is what it is and actually I've got to focus in on that longer term game in terms of my health to your point before so um yeah it is a tricky one when you work for yourself in many regards (laughs) in so many ways fab so we'll collate all of those into our top tips and share with you uh them on the wise whiteboard or the whiteboard of wisdom I got that the wrong way around at the end of this episode so stay tuned to get the full summary it's now time for bullshit bingo where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace which quite frankly make us cringe our bullshit bingo for today's episode came from another one of our followers on linkedin and it is what i would say is a classic so are we ready it is let's car park this so lisa what do you think of this one i don't like any of these that are like park this let's park this it's so dismissive i think it's just rude 
it really annoys me. I'm like, why don't you just say what you really think, which is, I'm not sure it's appropriate at this time, or I think we need to prioritise. So let's just capture that idea and we will seek to revisit it at some stage or let's just dismiss it altogether because the idea is rubbish. I don't know. <laughs> like just car park this. It's just so irritating. It's so dismissive. Yeah. I've often heard it more as let's park this for now. I'm sure I've probably used this as well, but I know when I've used it, what I'm really saying is, is it's rubbish or I don't care or no, but it, it is dismissive, okay. isn't it? It's just like, no. Yeah, it is. I've so I have used this and I've even used car park. So let's get it on the car park. Like I said that before as well. Have you done it in a meeting where you've had a big uh, white flip chart and you've drawn a car park and you've yeah, I think I have as well. And you've literally like listed all the things that we're parking for now. And whatever happened to that huge piece of flip chart paper? Probably went straight in the bin. But yeah, I've definitely done that. <laughs> um, yes, I have done it. Um, and actually, I, I just, it is a classic. And also, you just kind—it's of, one of those things I think which you sayings which you say because everybody tends to say it. Yes. And then you actually don't really check yourself in terms of what am I actually saying here? <laughs> like this is ridiculous until yeah. you stop and think about it. Like in this feature, <laughs> and yeah. like. What was I doing? Why was I saying, let's put it on the car park? Like, what an absolute tool. Yeah, we used to, a company I used to work for, we used to have a lot of, like, meetings with those of us get together to pull together ideas for the latest initiative or to solve the latest problem. And I think we used to use various flip charts and just put them around the room. And one would be, like, actions to take forward, challenges and blockers, (laughs) and one would always be a car park. Like anyone who used to work with me in this particular company, you'll know who you are because of what I'm talking about. You'll know that we used to have a car park and I'm sure we used to have teams. We loved a team for the sake of having a team. So we used to have teams that I think that were just focused on projects and change and strategy, my worst strategists. And I think they had a meeting most days where they had a car park. I think they should put themselves in the bloody car park. That's all I'm (laughs) saying on that one. And on that note, so if you have got any um, bullshit bingo phrases, any workplace phrases which make you cringe and you're like, what does this mean? What is this about? Or you might just hate it. Or if there's one that just really grates your shit, send it to us. (laughs) Yeah, we need to hear them. So you can send them to us on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. You can DM us. You can email them to us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can get in touch via our website as well. Um, And we need to hear them because we do need a few more for this season, actually. So this is an active request for some more bullshit bingos, please. We are coming to the end of today's episode where we've been discussing workplace returns or comebacks. Our tips and recommendations from today's episode are as follows. We've got another whole host of them. We're not doing very well at getting just three, are we, Suze? We've got so much to share, people, that we've got loads. We've just got so much content and tips and what great can we things say? to listen to. What can we say? To. So number um, one... We also need a bigger whiteboard, I think. Oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> or, or I just need to get small, smaller handwriting. Although I thought I'd done a lot better today to actually, you know, space it. Anyway... I digress. Number one of the top tips then, if you are either returning yourself to work or 
actually managing someone who's returning to work. This is all applicable. If you're managing someone's return to work, support them with these ideas. Number one is pace yourself. So really think about how you can phase your return back to work if that is an option that's available to you. Susie shared using her holiday to shorten her weeks just to give yourself that time to come back slowly and gradually to ensure that you're really managing the change for yourself, managing your state, taking those periods of rest and just appreciating that you may need some extra time. Number two is be honest with yourself and also with others about how you are feeling and really think about looking after yourself. So, you know, we talked about being mindful of your body, your mind, how you are, not rushing and just taking that maybe extra time to look after yourself to ensure that when you do return, you return fully and for longer. Number three is really consider your boundaries. So you had boundaries before you left and ways that you like to work. Now consider how that may have changed because of your circumstances and what's happened and review those boundaries and reset them to ensure that actually the way you're working is supporting you. Number four is prioritize your work. So if you are returning to work after a period of time and you work for somebody else, really sit with your line manager to prioritize your workload and what is achievable, what is possible now that you are back, especially if you've reduced your hours down. That's a big learning, I think, for many of us, um, whether that be through managing women back on maternity or if you've been through maternity leave yourself and knowing the difference that can make. And number five is prepare for change. So things are going to be different, except as a fact. So be mindful and open to learning new things, meeting new people, adjusting to new processes and environments potentially as well. So as well as those top tips, we've got some self-coaching questions for you to try to support you with this topic this week. So they are, number one, what is the opportunity that this transition gives me? Number two is, what does a successful workplace return look and feel like for me? And number three, how well have I planned my return to work? What could I do more or less of to ensure my success? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these top tips and questions. These will all be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we honestly love hearing from you, our CBBs. And you can contact us, as I said before, in three ways. So on email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. And finally, you can also talk to us through our website, thecoachingcast.co.uk. So there's no excuse. We <laughs> love hearing from you, so <laughs> drop us a message. <laughs> there's so many different ways. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us to grow this podcast and join our CBB community, then leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app you have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and please give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast where we post regular tips and behind the scenes hilarity. Don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching for The Coaching Cast. 
So finally, we both love music and we use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. It's my choice again this week and I've chosen Wish I Didn't Miss You by Angie Stone. This is also a banger. I'm pulling out the bangers, I think, this season. So thank you so much for listening and being here with us. We really appreciate it. And remember, CBBs, you've got this.